Hey friends, I'm Maddie. And I'm Reebs. And we're the Oh God Podcast. We are a faith-based podcast where people can come with their questions um, to deconstruct faith, to reimagine faith and faith practice. Um, we're a place where you can come to just find community, like-minded people who are also wanting to do those things and talk about stuff that we don't necessarily talk about within the walls of church. So welcome to a faith community that redefines faith in a world that isn't as definitive as the church can often make it seem. Woo! Oh my gosh, Reeves. Yes. I finished all of Lucifer on Netflix. Uh, amazing. It is incredible. I don't know if I have ranted on here yet about how mm-hmm. freaking good that show mm-hmm. is. Um, it is so good. Yeah. I So I just started watching it because you've highly recommended it. And I think you finished it like maybe right after we watched Midnight Mass or like right before. And we're talking about how good it is and how if we liked that, we sh- you know, I should also watch Lucifer. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I've just started it. I'm only in season two, but I really like it so far. It's interesting. It's like supernatural, but like with cops instead of like trying to kill demons like they're police officers so anyways it's really interesting it's like the premise every time i describe it i'm like it sounds so stupid Uh okay listen the devil takes a vacation to los angeles yeah when that hit i was like crime all right you took a vacation interesting but it but it is really good and didn't you say it gets like way better because netflix buys it after like the first two seasons or something yeah so um if you watch it watch it all the way through when you get to season three you're gonna want to go i don't want to watch this anymore watch it watch the end of season three cry keep watching Mm -hmm. um because netflix picks it up and then it just gets like so much better from there um but what i appreciate about it is that i think it takes all of these concepts that we have around heaven hell angels Mm -hmm. demons satan whatever um and our relationship to those things and it adds some like bombs of some concepts in there like I think it was within the first for maybe it was the first season or the second season where you see this very interesting relationship happening between like Lucifer and God and like his mm-hmm. understanding of his relationship to God yeah. and our understanding of yeah, our relationship to him. It is very interesting. Oh. Also, the devil gets a therapist. And I yes, think that that it is, is just actually kind of funny. I really like uh-huh. that dynamic. It's a very clever, very clever idea. Oh, it's I can only see imagine like how it gets better because it's already like good enough that I'm like, yeah, I'll watch this. But knowing that it just like dramatically increases. Uh-huh. Can't wait. It's beautiful. It's so beautiful. Um, And I think it poses just some really interesting questions, especially in that last season around yeah. our relationship to hell which is what we're talking about today. Woo-hoo. So um, I might have gone back through and watched that to like glean some talking <laughs> points and concepts that I think are interesting. Yeah, well, now I'm kind of bummed that I haven't like finished it yet because I'm like, oh, that probably would have been interesting. But it, all the more reason to watch it and then we can all talk about it. Yeah, listen, so everyone start watching. We'll all have everyone a watch. <laughs> tell Netflix that we told you to watch so that Netflix will pick us up as a sponsor. Yeah, sponsorship. hey, Netflix. Listen. Lucifer. And Midnight Mass. I will talk about oh, all your my, shows. Mike Flanagan. Could Cry. we be your sponsors? <laughs> I will sponsor everything forever. Um, but well, yeah, we you sponsor us, Literally, not us sponsoring them. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. We don't have any money. Yeah, never um, mind. I cannot be a producer. Not rich no. enough. But it is it's beautiful and you should definitely watch it. Um but yeah, so last episode we talked about heaven mm-hmm. and Reeves walked us through um a lot of the understandings of heaven and its relationship to the afterlife. Yeah. 
Um, and so this week we're talking about hell, which I'm. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, don't, don't, don't. There's like a scream in the background. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm really excited about this because I think this is this is the thing, right? This is the thing that um, we often get kind of hung up on, and so mm-hmm. I'm excited to see where the conversation ends up going. Yeah. Um, so in our conversation, um, a lot of the sources and like the thread of sources that I followed, I pulled, um, from the work that Joe Lumen has posted on, um, her Instagram. So Mm -hmm. out of the gate, just acknowledging, go check out her page. She has Mm -hmm. some of the best like threads on her Instagram that walk through a bunch of different theological points. Um, we'll share some stuff onto our Instagram so that you can find her page as well. Um, and then sources and resources at the end. So I went through and looked at some of um, her work put together and then pulled from those resources as well. So we'll list all of those. Um, but in this conversation, rather than kind of repeating a lot of what we talked about in the last one, looking at kind of the relationship between the soul um, and the context that Jesus was was really born into and teaching yeah. out of, um, I'm going to be focusing on some of the, the other aspects of that. So if you have mm-hmm. questions around that, as we go, go back and listen to the heaven episode and that'll fill you in on all mm-hmm. of those things. But when we talk about the words that we see translated in most of our Bibles as hell, um, those are Hebrew or Greek words, um, that get translated into English. And so the understandings of them often are different from what we are taking in as English speakers with our understanding of what hell means. So one of the words often translated um, is this word Sheol um, or the concept of Sheol, which um, was the the afterlife in that ancient mm-hmm. Jewish context. Um, this was a place that was really seen as very definitive and very final. Um, it was the grave. It was the place of the dead. You did not come back from Sheol. Everyone went there when they died. Um It was often thought to be below ground, but it was just a straight up place of darkness. Like there's no light, there's Mm -hmm. no worship, Mm -hmm. there's no good, there's no bad. It just is. It is a final place. It is the finality of place. Um, And you see it mentioned in like Genesis 37, Numbers, Psalms, Ecclesiastes, like all of these places, like it is the finality in death. Huh. is this place is that like when we hear the phrase like the valley of the shadow of death like is that what we think is that sort of like the same thing or is that like a different um i don't know but i think it's possible because yeah. i also and you touched on this a little bit as well like because of the finality of place and because there was a very deep-seated attachment to physical locations mm-hmm. um where you were buried mattered yeah and what happened to your body mattered and so i wouldn't be surprised if this idea of valley and kind of a a location for the thing Mm -hmm. would make sense interesting yeah yeah okay but that's you know me piecing that together Mm -hmm. um really what we see in like this third to second century is this shape starting to be taken for a separate spaces within sheol Mm -hmm. for good and bad Um, so kind of like when you talked about starting to see that division beginning to take place, that also happened with this concept. Um, so you see this idea that only God can stop evil, um, and that much of God's justice stems from that separation. Um, and I don't know, I think it's interesting to watch that take place in the context of history as well. Mm -hmm. And to recognize that like a lot of Jewish theology was evolving at this time. Yes. Um, 
And so obviously we're thinking of justice and you're experiencing exile and all of these things that like that's going to evolve as well. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So, um, when we also, when we think of Greek, she always translated to Hades in Greek. Mm. Um, and Hades, you know, I meant grave. It's the finality again Mm -hmm. of where people go when they die, but the Greek mythology around Hades was different. Mm -hmm. Um, and it holds different context. It's also very similar to what we currently think of as hell. Um, but it wasn't intended. It was just the word translated to mean underworld or afterlife. Yeah. Yeah. Which that is so interesting to me because I feel like, I don't know, that's one of those things that if someone were to just like compare, I feel like years ago when I was a big believer in the idea of sort of like stereotypical heaven as we're taught it and stereotypical hell as we're taught it. If you had told me that that had a lot of Greek mythology, I would have been like, no, 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 but it's different. But there really are so many things that we kind of, because so many early Christians were Mm -hmm. Greek that we like kind of adopted some of those ideas. And like, yes, there are some like sort of differences or adaptations, but it really took a lot of that thinking, particularly when we look at Hades and yes. how we view hell. I'm like, that's very interesting that we were like, hmm, no, oh, yeah. we're going to take that. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, very yeah. fascinating to a me. A lot of our understanding of hell is really just based off of like fan art. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> but I mean, honestly, yeah, and yeah, what yeah. We, we perceive as those things mm-hmm. is like, like Hercules as they're like on that rowboat and there's all the little like souls in the river or uh-huh. whatever. Like it's all like these concepts. And we see that in Genesis also, when we talked about creation, like a lot of our stories and the things that we believe are developments and influenced by the stories that are happening around us to figure out how we fit into the world that we're in. So it's not Mm -hmm. surprising at all. Um, But it is kind of annoying when the word that we use means something to us and we can see how it could mean two different things. Yeah. Translated over and over. Yeah, exactly. Sort of like that translation and then how maybe that idea came to yeah it's interesting so the other way that um like the word that is often translated or perceived as hell um is Gehenna Um, Mm. and this is a physical location outside Jerusalem city walls Mm -hmm. um it was a place where um a lot of like pagan sacrifices were made uh it was a garbage place outcasts were sent here it was a place of punishment um it was full of fire and ick and it was like a really Mm -hmm. just not great spot okay um and so when jesus is talking about it it kind of alludes to this like weeping and gnashing of teeth like it was yeah it was a really problematic place Mm -hmm. Um, but it is a physical place that you can visit fascinating um i also think it's funny because i'm pretty sure there have been moments where it has gotten like cold or ice has formed so it means like hell is frozen over oh yes (laughs) interesting okay yeah i think that that's very humorous um (laughs) But it's it's a physical place, and it's yeah. exclusively found in the synoptic gospel, so like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Yeah, that's really interesting, especially if we're thinking of the idea of sort of like, um, I always do get curious when the gospels talk about sort of like there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, but if we're thinking of that as sort of being that physical place of like Gehenna, where we see sort of like a physical location tied to like the suffering or sacrifices or like maybe kind of some of that like negative energy or associations with like that is a place of... I don't know, garbage and or suffering. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I'm finding a point. Sorry. You're good. Um, What was the original sermon that was fire and brimstone? Oh, John Edwards. 
right? Um, what is it? The something, the hand of God. Yeah, it's like the John sinners in the hands of an angry God. Hands of an angry okay. God. Oh, I man, want to come back that to one that, is so. interesting. Um, yeah, good call. Yeah, I w- definitely want to talk about that as well. Um, cool. So when we talk about this place, um, you know, Jesus is really naming a place where actual bodies would be thrown. Like that's a big deal. And also again, considering the context of the understanding of Sheol, where your body was laid to rest mattered as well. So to be thrown in that place was essentially naming a state of unrest in the Mm -hmm. afterlife because you Mm -hmm. were not properly buried. You were not placed um, in a context that would, would benefit that. So that kind of points to some of this understanding of, of a negative place where we go. But again, both of those words meant something different. A very physical location of like mm-hmm. you're buried there or like Gehenna where it's more of like that specific location of, yeah, interesting. So it means like very physical places, not necessarily like a spiritual, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. Which mm-hmm. again, pointing back to the idea that like soul and body in this idea aren't necessarily separate, that like breath is what gives us life. So outside of these places that we see kind of in the synoptic gospels, we see writings attributed to the apostle John Mm. that talk about the afterlife um, and specifically the afterlife of the wicked as something that like experiences perishing or death or condemnation or judgment. Um, Paul alludes to it as being wrathful or this everlasting destruction Um, general epistles talk about a raging fire in Hebrews or destruction in second Peter, um, eternal fire and blackest darkness, lake of fire, burning sulfur tormented here. Like, so we see like where all of these things are coming from. Yeah. Some of that general imagery. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but those are also, when you think about those specific works, those are people stepping into this place at different points in history Mm-hmm. trying to to understand the judgment um and the justice that was emphasized in the afterlife yeah 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 well that's like super interesting particularly um i think it's in revelation where we get that whole idea of the lake of fire mm-hmm. and people like um but the key thing there that i always find fascinating is that it's not people that are being right. tortured there it is spiritual beings so like the devil or the beast or the antichrist like people aren't being thrown into the lake of fire even mm-hmm. in those works that were written by humans of trying to understand this idea of a lake of fire or burning or whatever which i think is interesting and so yeah i think it's super interesting and and thinking of that and taking a bit of a timeline jump knowing that all of that is in there it reminds me of, did you ever have to read the sermon, um, by Jonathan Edwards in high school, the like sinners in the hands of an angry God? Yes. Oh, I hate it. it it's like, uh, yeah. Um, so much anxiety. I know. But like so much of that <laughs> imagery that he creates yeah. is like the foundation of our understanding of hell yeah. today. Between that and like Dante's Inferno, right? That uh-huh. whole idea of like, what is it? Seven layers of hell. I never had to read right. that one. So I have so, no idea. Yeah. Dante's Inferno came way earlier, but like the modern understanding yeah, of, hell of how we see hell in like the mm-hmm. Western church Turner is rooted. Burned. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. In this guy's issues. Yes. <laughs> um, I mean, clearly Jonathan, like I fully believe that maybe he himself was not this innately evil human who was trying to unleash suffering, but it seems like he had some things to work through. I got some questions Just theologically. about him. Love to break it down. Love yeah. to ask if he's doing okay. It's, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and yeah and a lot of it reflects a lot of this imagery if you haven't read it it, it comes up on blue letter yeah, bible I'll, like you I'll can find it. it um in the notes because i think it's worth a read of like uh-huh. yeah just thinking of god in this very wrathful light also my dogs are like playing in the background so if you hear like squeaky twitching the ground and lots of heavy breathing and rustling (laughs) it's it's the dogs dogs. um this episode isn't haunted by a ghost dog so when we think about what jesus talked about like jesus in this conversation i also think is very interesting and significant because obviously we're supposed to be shaping our theology around the teachings of christ um But what were those teachings? So we obviously use his words to argue for and against the idea of a literal hell. Um, But the thing that continues to stick out for me as I process what I believe about this is this idea that Jesus was born into a context where he would have been taught about Sheol and the ideas Mm -hmm. of the afterlife Mm -hmm. from that perspective. Mm -hmm. Like, I think I am not of the system of belief that Jesus came born as an infant and knew everything. Like, I believe part of the human experience was learning and evolving and trusting and choosing and making decisions. And if he knew everything, then how do you, you truly make that choice? Um, which means that he had to be taught things Mm -hmm. as a child. Um, and perhaps like the spirit was moving at a higher frequency with Christ, but like he had to be taught things, which means he would have been taught this understanding of the afterlife. Mm -hmm. Um, And so if that's the angle he's coming from, it can be argued that he did not believe in a literal hell. Therefore, he did not teach of a literal hell. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Which I think is interesting because so much of our thinkings of the afterlife, I think it was in the... um, the Bart Ehrman book that I mentioned last time, but he kind of talks about how different, different theologies would project their theologies onto the words of Jesus. Mm -hmm. So the Gnostic gospels talked more of this idea of a soul, Mm -hmm. which they projected onto Jesus's words, where we see sort of the more like Orthodox gospels that end up being canonized, speaking of sort of, um, you know, more of, um, in a different way and then projecting their thoughts onto Jesus. Like a lot of it is people understanding in their interpretations of what it was that Jesus was saying, which right. is something to like keep in mind. Yeah. Oh yeah. And when Jesus, again, like when he's talking about hell, he's saying Gehenna or Hades, right? Yeah. So like, yeah, there are things we can connect it to. And really what it, many think is that Jesus taught about this idea of harm and destruction mm. and not a physical hell. Yeah. Um, he does talk about people coming back from Sheol and resurrection um, and that it would happen soon. And so that's where we get this, I think, kind of piecing together with these ideas of there being a physical place people go that they can then be returned from. Um, but when he died, that didn't happen, right? Like it, it, people expected everything to happen when they step into that apocalyptic place and it didn't yeah. happen immediately. And so you see thought continue to evolve to this idea that maybe they misunderstood Jesus Mm -hmm. and his kingdom must be coming in the afterlife, similarly to their understanding of heaven not coming so quick. Absolutely. And so when we look at the early theologians, many are influenced by apocalyptic literature um, written from this understanding of like Jesus is coming back soon. The afterlife is the place where justice is happening. Um, But you know, they didn't really agree around afterlife theology amongst many, many things, mm-hmm. um, which eventually leads to things like the Council of Nicaea, which we've talked about yeah. before, the ongoing debate after that. Um, and so then you start to see these theologians begin to try to pull apart uh, mm-hmm. these scriptures. 
I have to take a breath because this means that we have to talk about our favorite man in Christian (laughs) history. Um, good old Augustine. I feel like we need to start like an Augustine corner where like everything, (laughs) everything we talk about, we need to talk about his theology, but then like rip it to shreds. Yeah. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. In the kindest possible way. With love and grace. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Bless your heart. Um, (laughs) I feel like there's a lot of people we could put in that, like the timeout yeah, corner. Yeah. We could just do like a, like a, I don't know, bad theology. No, that's kind of mean. Hmm. Well, Harmful theology corner. Yeah. Something like that. Rethink your thoughts corner. Yeah. Rethink, go think about what you said. <laughs> that could actually be pretty funny. Yeah. Stay tuned if we do something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. We'll think about it. Um, so Augustine was the first to introduce this notion of original sin. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah. Buckle up, everyone. I could in. talk about this. this. is something I could talk about forever. Oh, keep go for it. I would jump in. We're ready. So he it was the first to introduce the notion of original sin. Um, and this idea that obviously like children are born condemned by sin. Mm. He was also the first to name that those who have never heard of Jesus would be subject to punishment. Mm-hmm. Um, and that unbelievers endure eternal punishment. Now, these are ideas that come like 300 years after Jesus. Mm-hmm. So these are his personal thoughts mm-hmm. um, and understandings. But the thing is, like, he has become this, like, founding father mm-hmm. of modern Christianity. And these are the things that he is pitching, right? Mm-hmm. And in this concept of original sin, you have to have eternal punishment yeah. in the thing that he pitches. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I think... Um, it blows me away when I first heard that the idea of original sin was not mentioned once in the Bible. I was like, there's no way. That's everything I've been taught forever is that there was original sin. We've been separated by God. Jesus came to fix that. And like, uh, but that is one interpretation of mm-hmm. the gospel and why the gospel can make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, when I heard that, my jaw like hit the floor and I had like an existential crisis for days because I was like, well, what happened? What does that mean if the original sin, like if there was no original sin? Right. And I like that version of reality a lot better. I'm going to be honest. It's a lot more gentle than this idea of like, we all fell because Adam ate the, like Eve ate the literal apple and that separates us all from God. And he has a lot of weird thoughts on women in general. And Mm -hmm. so like, he really is the person that we see start to like really rag on Eve and say like, no women are lustful and sinful and we must, you know, he had a lot to work through. It was, um, some big like incel energy coming from this man. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, a lot of thoughts on him. Um, so about 800 years later, our other favorite dude, Thomas Aquinas, who we are also going to put <laughs> yes, in the think about what you believe corner, corner uh-huh. uh, was influenced by Augustine's ideals. Mm-hmm. Um, he was also someone who was working really heavily with nobles in a time where there was no separation of church and state. Like rulers were deemed like blessed and or like anointed by God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they had final say. And you're seeing a lot of like transition happening in belief And then you have this guy who's influencing noble beliefs, who is big on heresy. And as someone who believed that all sinners had like no intrinsic right to life, like Mm -hmm. he was really mean. Yeah. Like not. Yeah. Yeah. So you have this. So he had his understanding of hell that was divided into four different parts. Okay. So the first was Gehenna, which was punishment for the damned, which out of the gate is already problematic because Gehenna is a physical place. Yeah. So like kind of taking that and making it his own thing is very interesting. Right. 
Yeah. Um, but this is like the, the punishment for mm-hmm. the horrible people of the world. Then you have all of these limbo spaces. So limbo for children. So mm-hmm. people with no personal sin, but original sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, limbo of the fathers. So where the Old Testament saints were before Jesus, which is now empty because of Jesus. Oh, okay. Interesting. So it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. they were like in this place until Jesus died and was resurrected. Yeah. So the idea of sort of the resurrection of the bodies, I guess, is they were in that place of uh-huh. what you would have considered Sheol, I guess, or kind of that sleep or slumber or whatever. And then Jesus came. And so now they're not in that limbo anymore, but that limbo is still there, but it's just empty. Right. right? Okay, cool. And then you have purgatory mm, um, where the righteous that still owe debts for like the sin of their life go for temporary punishment to be cleansed before they are admitted to heaven. So it's like, I'm assuming like you're not bad enough to go straight, like straight to hell. Mm, Um, mm -hmm. but you got stuff you need to deal with. So you go to purgatory to deal with it and then you get into heaven. Yeah. Which feels interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so you have all these understandings of hell, um, and anything who, anyone who deviated from that was deemed a heretic yeah. and was killed. Which that to me is something that's really, um, well, I mean, I, I guess that really happens all throughout human history. It's not necessarily that we've evolved past that because I think there are still spaces where mm-hmm. you're just immediately labeled a heretic. But I'm at least glad to be in a space right. where we can freely think about things mm-hmm. and um, not immediately say like, oh, well, you're a heretic and therefore you're going to one of the four levels of hell. And, so. Or you're going to be burned at the stake. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're a witch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like there, It's not like an immediate finger pointing game of like your theology is wrong and mine is correct. Right. Well, it is maybe in some cases, but eh, anyways, you know. we're trying not to do that here at least. <laughs> So about a hundred years after that, we get Dante's Inferno, um, which has shaped so much of our theology um, around hell. Mm-hmm. Um, he talks about like these multiple levels of hell and the gates of hell and the depth of hell and the horrific aspects of hell. Um, but Dante's Inferno is a is a fictional work, right? Like it's mm-hmm. it's a piece of art. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, this is like one of many examples that we see of art influencing our understandings of our faith. Yeah. And I think this is where I have such an interesting understanding of like why there are, are things that, that the church gets kind of been out of shape about. Like we mm-hmm. talked about with tarot, for example, mm-hmm. like those are art on cards yeah. that you're using to yeah. interpret and feel a certain way to develop a system of belief. This was the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it like influenced a ton and we see all of these creative works like this funded by the catholic church mm, interesting yeah yeah so again like it's all fan art like a lot this of have this been stuff. like renaissance times right mm-hmm. yeah so the church like patrons like a lot of different works so i mean even when we start thinking yeah. like renaissance jesus and how we start thinking of jesus as this like beautiful dainty white man uh-huh. um, because lover. yeah yeah because <laughs> like yes uh-huh. because the church the catholic church like patroned a lot of art and things like that so interesting there's also i feel like a whole thing we could do on art because there's a ton of statues like i saw this video on tiktok and it was talking about this church that had two separate statues of lucifer created Mm -hmm. by us brothers 
And the first one was made and they didn't like it because they said that they made Lucifer too sexy and that people were getting distracted in church by how hot this <laughs> Lucifer statue was. So they commissioned a second Lucifer statue, but the brother made him even hotter. Oh, and so no. now you have this church with just like two sexy Satans, like kicking it. <laughs> it's like in the, the corner. LOL. But it's that's all commissioned so by the church. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I just think that's super funny and how like we still are influenced by that imagery. Yes, absolutely. We are now the Eastern Orthodox church does reject a lot of this. So like, this isn't mm, like totally standard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they believe heaven and hell are theological symbols to describe the experience of God's presence. Mm, okay. Um, and not necessarily like a place. So when God's presence is in one's life and they're someone who has accepted God in their life, then you are in paradise because you are in perfect alignment with God. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you reject God, what you're really doing is rejecting oneself as bearers of God's image. Mm. So to be in God's presence is torment because you are not only rejecting God, but you are direct- rejecting your own self. Interesting. Yeah fascinating yeah and so that also varies a lot there's not like a tangible like doctrine there lots of conversation um lots of different iterations of understanding of this point but they don't believe Mm -hmm. the physical fire and brimstone Mm -hmm. kind of thing yeah yeah which again that comes from sinners in the hands of an angry god yeah which is like a very recent work in the grand scheme of things like 1740 it always blows my mind that we get some of our key things i mean i guess it makes sense that like all throughout human history we have someone who thinks something and so we think that for a while until we make a big push and we're like no Uh let's rethink that yeah and i feel like we're in kind of one of those phases right now where Mm -hmm. we're realizing like let's rethink some of this Yeah. And even looking at the Reformation or Protestantism, we see Luther upholding this idea that death was sleep. Mm -hmm. Um, Calvin believing that there's some consciousness after death um, or a variation of belief that torment was separation from God, that it's physical, that it's spiritual, like Mm -hmm. that immortality is only for those who believe in Jesus um, and those who don't cease to exist, which is annihilationism. Oh, interesting. Um, that okay. is one understanding um, that we see. So this idea that like, if you accept Jesus, you spend eternity with Jesus. If you don't, you just cease to exist. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, there's also a belief of universalism, right? That everyone will be reconciled to God and make it into heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, that death is not the final point, that there will still be places for you to accept Christ in the afterlife and that everyone will make it into heaven. Mm. Interesting. Um, so yeah, even within hell, there's this physical place. There's these weird spiritual understandings. Like it's not consistent belief. No. Um, and that is where I think, um, I know for me, like I really struggle with even our understanding of like Easter and Christ's death and resurrection. Mm Um, because it, it means something, but it means something different to everyone, depending yes. on what you believe to be true about the afterlife yes. and the significance of it. Mm-hmm. Like if you don't believe that hell is a place, then that changes what you believe to be true about what happened mm-hmm. on the cross. Mm-hmm. And I think bringing up that conversation becomes really difficult in certain spaces because that uniformity of belief is what makes those systems run. Yeah. Um, and so it adds a layer of complication to yeah, things. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. As a little little dip, not super in-depth, um, but important when we talk about hell, um, there is some interesting conversation around the devil as well. Mm. Um, and before I get into any of this, the point that I always make with the devil, regardless of what you believe to be true about this 
entity or being or whatever it is. Um, what we end up doing in the church so often is we take heaven and hell and we make them equal opposing places with equal opposing leaders. Mm -hmm. So we make the devil at the same level as God and then turn around and say that God is superior to all things. Yeah. And that dissonance in our theology makes no sense. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so Agreed. what you'll see in a lot of this also is most of our devil theology is rooted in books that were not canonized mm -hmm. stems from works that are fictional mm -hmm. and like, it doesn't really speak to what I think we need it to mean right now. It just yeah. speaks to an understanding of the world hundreds of years ago. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like the devil is not ever supposed to be comparable to God. And in some mm -hmm. ways, I think we elevate the devil above God. Yeah. Give it way more power. Yeah. Which yeah. is very interesting. I um, just like all of the sort of like mythology and understandings around the devil are very fascinating to me because it's again, it's kind of one of those things that like just like with, in our heaven episode, we talked about how a lot of our understandings of afterlife really aren't mentioned the way that we read it in the Bible. Like mm -hmm. you were mentioning with sort of like Sheol and Gehenna, um, the devil isn't really mentioned in mm -mm. scripture at all. The only one I can think of that comes to mind within our canonized version is that little aside in the book of Job. Yep. Um, and even then like that, there are so many readings for that mm -hmm. that don't involve a personified like devil who right. is like on par with like torturing humanity. Well, and even within that, so in how like our understanding of, of the devil is brought up, the devil is referred to as like the adversary, but adversary can be a lot of things. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a physical entity. Mm -hmm. And in Job, like the devil and God are not on the same level, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. He's still serving God. Mm -hmm. um, it's still an entity created by God to accomplish a purpose. Mm -hmm. um, and Job is like an artistic work in and of yes, itself it too. Is. And isn't it one of the oldest like mm -hmm. Old Testament? Yeah. And so you can see a lot of, I mean, just like the way it is written, it is a very ancient text. And um, I think we do a lot of misreading or maybe yeah. poor interpretation of that book. But yeah. Mm -hmm. And most of the time when we see the devil, it's, it's referred to as like an entity that was created by God or, but is for sure lesser than God. Mm. Um, and I have personal thoughts that we'll share in a moment, but <laughs> in early Hebrew traditions, like before the second temple in Jerusalem, there is no personified Satan, evil demons or hell. Interesting. Okay. Like there is no, none of that is personified. Evil and suffering came directly from God. Um, and so if you did something and something happened to you, it was because God was punishing you. Ooh, that's interesting. God was responsible for all of those things. Yeah. So the Hebrew word that we translate for Satan is also translated as adversary. So again, like it's this personified understanding and even the image we have of like tail, horns, pitchfork, all of that is from art. Mm-hmm. Like that, none of that is from scripture. Yeah. Now in the book of Daniel is where we first start to see these notions of a spiritual realm. Mm -hmm. um, and that introduces this idea that spiritual forces of evil are operating in the world, that they're pulling the strings. Um, and we see a personified version of the devil. Okay. So, but again, even in Daniel, like there are two different things happening there. Um, which is important to know when you're reading Daniel, yeah. you have like a history piece and then him like, yeah, I totally forgot about the whole like, um, spiritual realm part of that. I feel like I'm going to have to revisit the book of Daniel. It's yeah. been a minute. Mm -hmm. 
Now it's in the books of Enoch, first and second Enoch, that we get this like actual contextual mm-hmm. story of Satan. And those are in the Apocrypha, correct? Yes. Yeah. So, so they were Catholic not canonized. Eastern, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in the first book of Enoch, we see that Satan is named as the leader of celestial beings known as watchers. Hmm. Um, and they were the ones that came down to create the Nephilim. Okay. So that like kind of, they were the ones who came down to like breed with humans. Also, we see other beings like, um, Azazel who taught humans to make things for the purpose of war, taught them godlessness, Mm. um, um, that God sent the watchers into a fiery pit and then named several under other angels that are loyal to God. Uh, and there are no mentions of demons before this. So what I think is interesting about this chunk, um, if you have watched Lucifer mm-hmm. is that this is kind of the space where a lot of that show, yeah, like the, the characters and the things are pulled from this. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the story we know that we're familiar with. This is what they're adding commentary to, but yeah. this is not canonized in our Bible. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. So, um, we also hear about things like this in the book of Jubilees. Um, and it offers like a lot of the same content as Genesis, but with more detail. So that's Ooh, where I think we okay. get that connection to the devil being in Genesis. But there is a ton of stuff out there that says that the serpent in Genesis isn't Satan. Mm-hmm. That yeah. that's like not yeah. what that is. And so because of that, you also see this weird tension of like, well, if it's not Satan, then who's responsible for what happened in that story? Yeah. Interesting. Shifts it around a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Second Enoch gives more details on the character of Satan. Um, we see stories that point to a rebellion to create a new throne or a new kingdom. Um, those sorts of things the names we get for, for the devil are interesting. So like Lucifer, Satan, others, they all stem from various intersecting mythologies, Mm. all associated with the planet Venus because Venus was this like morning star, bright and shining star, whatever. Uh, Yeah. So, so all of those things go together. Lucifer terminology, like this is where I think we could pull apart a whole episode on this alone. Um, but I'm pretty sure even like Jesus is referred to as the morning star in revelation. Mm, and so okay. then you have this interesting tension of like, well, how can the devil and Jesus share the same nickname? Yeah, Interesting. You know, things to consider. Um, yeah. And so much of how we perceive this role in its relationship to hell is crafted around our imagination and our processing of the world around us. Yes. And our taking this, which, likely exists within us and personifying it mm-hmm. absolutely yeah Ooh, interesting i yeah. think the conversations around hell and the devil are very fascinating because um i mean there were times when i believed wholeheartedly in the idea of like the devil kind of like you know causing um spiritual warfare or like Mm -hmm. causing like people to do things or tempting people. I don't believe in it in that way anymore of like sort of a persona. I think that there are like, I believe in like spiritual realms. I believe Mm -hmm. in like there are like dark forces or things like that. Um, I, I don't think that there's like a devil walking around that is like somehow equal to God or like the antithesis of God. Um, and I don't believe in hell in any of the ways that like, I don't, 
No, I'm just going to say I don't believe in health because yeah. I really don't. So yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I really struggle with that one. And I feel like that's something that a lot of people, it gives so much anxiety. Mm-hmm. I have seen, I just feel like the idea of hell does so much more damage mm-hmm. than it's ever done good. Right. Um, and now knowing more of the history around it being this very constructed idea of like, I don't know. When we think of the afterlife, I just, um, I, I, I don't truly know all of my theologies that I like believe, but I know that I, I don't think that the idea of like heaven or eternal torture is, um, fair or just. So, right. mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I definitely am not someone who believes that that hell itself is a physical place. Um, or really mm-hmm. that heaven is a physical place. Like mm-hmm. I think, um, I used to be in a space where I was like, hell isn't real. Everybody gets into heaven. Mm-hmm. But even this idea of getting into heaven and like heaven being a place that you go, I don't know that I believe anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm the more like I lean into this like spiritual connection to the world around me. Um, the more mm-hmm. I think that, you know, heaven and hell exist right now. Even again, last episode, you talked about the, the whenevers or, yeah, the every win, the, the every idea of win. sort of yeah. all constantly being connected like back and forward and like to God at all times in yeah. the universe. Yeah. That like time isn't, time isn't real. Um, that it's something that we use to like mm-hmm. figure out how to progress through, but that at the end of the day, we came from dust, mm-hmm. we returned to dust. We are a part of this like giant cycle. Mm-hmm. And I think the realities that we create right now craft iterations of heaven or hell depending on how we move in the world yeah um and i think that it's easier sometimes for us to personify evil mm-hmm. to wrap our minds around it versus recognizing that maybe we are the personification of evil sometimes mm-hmm. interesting yes and so i i think that you know hell is a state of being that we create for ourselves or others mm-hmm. um and that heaven is something that we also is a state of being that we create for ourselves or others. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to like what happens when you die, like nobody knows what that is. I think um, right now I'm in a space where I think we as energetic beings, you know, realign with the energy mm-hmm. that created us. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, which means that we would realign with God being mm-hmm. image bearers of God. Um but what that looks like, who knows? Yeah. You know, and I don't think, I think we don't know for a reason. And mm-hmm. so instead of spending a ton of time trying to figure out how to put words to something that I've never seen, I think I would rather spend the energy I have to expel right now. Yeah. On crafting this reality. Yeah. Now. Yeah. And to bring about heaven in the ways that we can and mm-hmm. to um, try to spread some goodness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I, I have a a hard time with some of this because I feel like it also puts caps on like unfair caps on what we're allowed to look to, to seek, um, like spiritual enlightenment as well. Mm -hmm. Cause you think about like so much of this understanding of heaven and hell is crafted around art and literature and like the imagination of humanity trying Mm -hmm. to figure out how to wrestle with these things that they're struggling with. Um, and yet, like, even in this episode, like we reference a show that is like mm-hmm. the modern comparison of that. Um, and yet, because it's not deemed like something that has like the stamp of approval as doctrine, then therefore mm-hmm. it like can't be used as this like sole source of things. And I think a lot of how I've processed my understanding of the afterlife has come from 
seeing inside the brains of other people. Yeah. And piecing yeah. together how we're all kind of collectively trying to figure out how to be alive. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think they're important conversations and conversations that we don't we, we don't have answers to and we won't have answers right. to. But I think it's worthy to talk about and imagine and dream of, you know, what we what we think and or believe about God or the divine. Um, how does that impact what we think um justice or what that looks like. And that changes so frequently mm -hmm. from person to person. Like, yeah, I think they are valuable conversations and conversations that we'll never really have any closure on. And that's okay. Right. Yeah. That's fine. Mm -hmm. We're yeah. not supposed to. Um, I think that the conversation around hell can bring up a lot for people. Mm -hmm. So um, if you want to process through, if you have any stories of sort of how you were taught about hell, there's lots of horror stories around there because it really is used right. in some circles as very much a fear tactic and turn or burn um, theology, which is very damaging. Right. Um, so, yeah, if you need to process that, we'd love to process that with you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and. And know that in the process of this as well, um, if, if you haven't heard it, wherever you're at is fine. Yes. Like, like I know because this great. is like such a hot button, there's like this, this energy often around feeling like you have to know where you fall mm -hmm. so that you can give your elevator pitch to someone mm -hmm. when they bring it up to you. And like, this is one of those yeah. things where if you need someone to give you the permission to be like, I don't freaking know. Yes. Here's your permission. Because clearly yeah. if you've listened to these two episodes and neither of us have a clear no. core beliefs of like, you know, what we believe about heaven and how we have ideas and thoughts that are ever changing and evolving and literally by the minute. Yeah. We'll be ask me tomorrow. Yeah. It's going to be different. I'll be mid conversation mm -hmm. and something will change. Cause that's just part of living a human experience. Um, mm -hmm. And I think the, the goal is that you learn to become comfortable with some of that not knowing, yeah. um, in a way that feels, feels good for you. So this is your permission slip to be like, I don't freaking know. Yeah. And then you can blame us and then they can come, come to us and we'll yeah. talk to them. And that's fine. Yeah. We'll give them a good old pat on the back. Yep. And a good yeah. old Christian hug. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> a Christian hug, a side hug. All right. Good of course. Christian yeah. side hug. Absolutely. Um, man. Wow. This was so good. Friends, thank you for talking about this with us over the last few weeks. Um, thank you for sharing your thoughts. Uh, we encourage you to continue doing that. Reach out if you need support. Um, and if you liked this conversation, share it with some people. You know, leave us a review. Follow us on your podcasting app of choice. Find us on social media. Um, oh God pod pretty much everywhere, mainly Instagram. Um, yeah. and, and jump into the community with us because some of the best parts of this work is getting to kind of debrief and break some of this down in discord on Patreon, on Instagram and the comments through, through your reviews, all of those things. So, yeah. um, engage with us, share this with some people and, mm -hmm. and, uh, let us know what you think. Yeah. Uh, also this comes out like really close to Halloween. So if you're listening, uh, stay spooky, share happy your Halloween. costumes with us. Oh yeah. Wait, that would be so cute. Yeah. That would be fun. Send it to us on Instagram. If you tag us, yeah, we'll share it on the stories. Yes. Okay. Okay. Happy Halloween, oh, friends. Wow. Stay spooky. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
Maddie and Reeves are both faith leaders, and the following conversation reflects their standings and beliefs, not those of their place of employment. 